0: Everyone, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Um, there is a sheet that's around if you need one. Um, i try to put a couple extras at the tables. Uh, if you ever took Psychology 101, you might recognize Eric Erickson. I thought I'd pull that out and see where uh, what we could do with that. But let's, um, let's pray. Lord, for this day, we give you thanks for our church, for our children, for uh, your life. Uh, worked through us. Um, We give you thanks. Now, Lord, speak, unstop our ears, um, calm our fears, our apprehensions, our anxieties, and let us know, Lord, that it is finished and that uh, uh, you have spoken to us your word of love, acceptance, approval, of peace, of contentment. And Lord, let us and infect our families with that same love. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, well, I'm thrilled to be here. I say this a lot. Um, I think, as Cameron has pulled this together, I think it's one of the best things that the Advent does. I just think this is a great idea faith and family. Um, uh, and in some ways, that even extend it. I'm surprised it's like I just think it's one of the best things that we do. Um, I just want everybody in the community to sort of avail themselves. Not that I'm here. In um, the other parts, when I'm not here, I want everybody to come just because of the people that come and share and, and, and talk about what what uh, Cameron has lined out. I think it's just outstanding. So I'm really thrilled to be here. Um, for my part, um, I'm Gil, by the way. I think I know everybody in the room. Um, uh, what I hope to do is just for 15, 20 minutes, um, which I hope I can keep to that, that long, um, just kind of set the table with a few things. That's why I gave you the sheet, just to kind of... Let the uh, uh, our juices flow a little bit. What I hope the rest of the the hour or so is is just a time to to talk, ask questions, ask questions of each other, ask questions of me. Um, let it kind of have more of that interactive element. I'm not going to talk for 60 minutes. Um, I don't think that would be helpful uh, for any of us. So that's my that's my hope. Um, but before I even start, just quickly get a, a sense in the room of Ages of children, why you're here, that kind of thing. And we're looking at little bitties, mostly teenagers. That would help me kind of focus, sort of the the uh, the time. I know a lot of folks here in the ages of their children. Some others I don't. So, no particular. You can just all. throw out all, all, all across. <laughs> so I'm pregnant, and we have some in college. So, um, so I'm looking at neonatal care. So, um. I think I'm the only grandmother. in the- which is thrilling. I think boat that's boat. so <laughs> good. Um, now, the first time, which was really small, at seven, uh, we talked about that. The, 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 well, I won't go too far here, but gosh, what, what a role for grandparents. Um, uh, I'll, I'll tell this story just to kind of let y'all get used to my voice, and then I want to come back to y'all. Um, strangely, I tell this story before. Told this story before. Caroline, our oldest, when she was probably just two days in our house, so probably like five or six days old, and I'm doing the 3 a.m. thing. Sometimes I cry when I tell this story. Uh, you know, I'm up and I'm a new dad and I'm afraid, but I'm also just like, you know, I'm still, I'm still not just ragged. You know, I'm not totally exhausted because you know, brand new and she's tiny. You know, five pounds, or whatever ounces, and just holding. And I had this strange sort of simultaneous experience as I was sitting there. All this is about being a grandparent. Um, the first, and this is where I started crying when I was there, and I, I sort of started crying, and then I realized I was crying, and I was like, what in the world is happening here? Uh, and I realized I was just so overcome with this certain sense of, uh, what would be the word, of sadness that I was going to screw this child up this child that I already loved so dearly, I mean, so, so much, and I was just like, oh, and she's just going to get so messed up by me and all my best intentions, educate, whatever else there was, uh, that I was going to do things and things were going to happen to her uh, from me, not just sort of out there, but my own hand, that I was going to screw her up. And and, and I was gonna, and even if I tried not to, I couldn't do it. And I also knew myself well enough to know that And I'm not always going to try to give my, quote, very best. Uh, And I just was overcome with a sadness. And at the same time, I had this hunger and this longingness for being a grandfather. Isn't that strange? I was like, and that's going to be so great. And I wasn't (laughs) wishing it away, but I also knew at the time, I was like, and then I could just come in and have that unique and powerful role of a of not having all those cross-currents. And this is a word I want to offer us as parents. Um, Those unavoidable cross-currents. We can't not have them. Those erosive qualities that is part of being a human being in relationship in a sinful world. I'll try to flesh that out a little bit. Uh, Where the parent-child relationship, I guess in this room, the mother-son, the mother-daughter, but the father-son, father-daughter relationship. is complicated, complex. There's so much that's going on. And a grandparent, it's there, but it's a different role. And it's a great role. It's one where you, you know, the theological word to be imputation, where you can just come in and and speak love and acceptance. And, and, and a much. it's not going to have as much law and judgment attached to it. So all that was my little experience in 2002 when I was at 3 a.m. in my daughter's room. Um, the simultaneous experience of... Uh, of sadness, repentance, but also hunger and longingness for, for for her and for her children. Isn't that strange? So, anyway, so ages of children and all that. So all over, little bitties up to teenagers, grandparent, teenager. Much elementary school. Okay, we do have some. Preschool, Are we there? Toddlers, not so much there. So kind of out of the infancy, kind of elementary through High school, primarily. Okay. Um, well, if I had a sort of an intro piece, and it kind of connected to it a minute ago, um, the last word that our Lord probably said when He was on the cross was, It is finished. Um, now, He meant a lot by that, but uh, if I could put a banner, and I've said this to parents before, if I could put a banner over us, I would say, let's be It is finished parents. Let's be parents that can have the banner it is finished and we can live our lives as parents beneath that what does it mean as the lord said you know it is finished his work was finished he, he, he did it all that he came to do it was done um as a parent what do i hear when i say well how's it going and what do i say too um like if i asked y'all well, you know how's your life how's family these days and like, what are you probably going to say? Okay well, that's good that's good. right now for this day we're good. So um, uh, fishing for it, we're busy. you know, busy, Lots going on. Um, you know, but we're making it. we're okay right now because the business not invading and all that. Um, going through that a little bit more, because you know I'm busy. We're busy. Um, and we're not as busy as a lot of people, a lot of families, you know with all the the, the different externals, the events, the teams, the, the carpools, the things we have to show up to and all that. Uh, Busy is the external. How are you doing? Well, you know, with the busyness that's around me, truth be told, I'm really afraid. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I'm always sort of, you know, at the, my wits' end. I'm depleted. I'm drained. I'm always sort of at this teetering edge. Not always, but often. I can get there in a moment's notice, of a uh, of feeling like, if not all is lost, like a substantial amount is lost. Um, I find that to be true with a lot of folks. That that. That busyness is code for, I just am not sure about how things are going. Am I doing this right? Am I enough? Um, I'm trying really hard. I want to give my child every opportunity, and so I'm just trying to cover them up, thinking that something's going to stick. Something. All these intentions are good and wanting all this. So the it is finished word comes along to say, you know, we can take a step back, sort of like I described at 3 a.m., and say the lord lives there is somebody outside of us outside of our busyness who in fact loves our children even more than we do um uh and what does he do he frees us beneath his word that says it is finished you don't have to keep trying you know how they're going to turn out you know my fear you know they're going to basically grow up vote (laughs) hopefully you know meet somebody um uh and are a productive, sit- you know, I've got pretty low standards now. I had them a lot higher earlier, and it's so, like, you know, she's employed and doing okay. Um, uh, that it's not up to us. We don't have to generate this product in order to get it out. To be, it is finished parents. Um, somebody, a pediatrician in England, came up with the phrase many years ago of a good enough mother. Um, and it's been expanded now in a lot of different areas. A good enough parent, good enough sex, good enough marriage. It's a freedom. It was, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a Christian per se, but I think there's a massive understanding of what we call Christian freedom there. Freedom to be good enough. What does that mean? I, per, I meet my child's most of my child's needs most of the time, and I don't have to press myself to be perfect, which is why I love the subtitle of this series, Good News for Imperfect Parents, or something like that. We don't have to be. We can't be. We shouldn't be. Perfection doesn't exist. It's a reference point in theory that we can measure something against, but we'll never get there. And if that's what we're trying to do, we're always going to be busy, subtext, um, so on the edge, just teetering, not sure how I'm actually doing, because the only mark I have is something that doesn't actually exist. And so trying to bring that idea, you know, I'm good enough, which actually frees me to be present. There's a grandparent word there. Actually free to show up in my child's life and say, you know, I'm here. Tell me about that. What's going on? Rather than, you know, some of the other more complicated subtext of how come he didn't finish, you know, and then we're, come on, come on, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, go. So yeah, that's just kind of some musings and some rumblings to say, let's be, it is finished, parents. So I'll even hit pause. Any comments there? We'll look at a little bit of this sheet and then just have a lot of time for questions, I hope. Does that connect? That sort of being pressed in, the busyness and the subtext beneath the busyness of, uh, of uh, being pretty stressed?
1: Like and being a perfect parent having a perfect child. You know, really, what does that mean anyway? I mean, it's, a, it's something that the world has created. Surely, yeah. And so then we fall prey to that.
0: Yep.
1: And I think we also have to ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Who's putting those demands?
0: Absolutely, yeah
1: it's usually
0: the world. It's usually the world. Something outside. It's not It's not actual. It's a, fict- it's a fiction. Um, you know, it's so easy to get caught in the trap. Um, call it performancism or whatever else you want to say. But for me to judge my worth, for you to judge how you're doing, you're okay if your child is okay by how they look, or are they having good friends right now, or are they not you know, explosive or withdrawn, are they doing good in school, did they make the team, and my wagon is hitched to them. Uh, and I'm okay if they're okay, if they look okay, if they've got the right blank, fill in the blank. Why is that a problem? Um, it puts a lot of pressure on who? The kid? <laughs> Think about that for a minute. We tie our wagon to our children and how they present themselves in the world. Because this whole talk is built on the idea they're developing. That means they're becoming. They aren't born little adults. They're not born all that they're going to be. They're developing. And we tie it to a wagon, tie our, ourselves to them, and say, I'm okay if you're okay. Uh, that word a good enough parent says, you know, it's okay not to be okay sometimes. Um, we're, we got it. We're good enough. You know. I know it's hard when you didn't get. You know, you weren't asked out, and you saw on Instagram that everybody else was at the concert, but you weren't. Or you look on, and everybody else was was uh, met at 32 degrees, and and you were with them earlier, and you know that they didn't ask you. That's that's really stinks. That's hard. But, you know, just being able to pull that, and to say that you know you're still okay, and you have something to offer, even though they're broken, developing. So that just made me think of that. Our, how we tie ourselves to our children's performance, popularity, success, in whatever way we're going to describe it. Um, and again, the bar can get adjusted pretty quick. Success is they leave when they're 20. <laughs> um, or whatever else it's going to be.
1: But you do tie yourself to that. I mean, it's really hard for you to be
0: happy when they're not they're happy. They're not happy, that's right. When they didn't get asked 32 degrees or whatever. Like, I mean, so happiness becomes a really... Yeah. yep 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 and this is if there's any part of this hour which can help us step out just a little bit um, you know what you were saying just to pull out and say is that right is happiness sort of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness you know we see it as an, inal- an inalienable right um, is that our is that our goal is that the scene kwa is that is that is that what we're hoping for or as we're their parent are we hoping for something else is development? gonna help us see that there's something a little bit more and happiness can be a trap um, that we may be settling for cool whip tastes great but boy you get too much of it and it's just not really nutritious it's not what they need or develop just use one thing happiness in itself isn't bad I'm not saying that at all but to step out and say is this is this okay is it okay right now not to be okay um, Living life on life term. A A AA there. Is that okay? Right. 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 It goes together. So. Let's look at the sheet. Let's just use this as a... Uh, a bounce point. This is Eric Erickson. He was a, uh, uh, I don't need to go into a lot of what he is. He developed a theory, um, of life, often called the psychosocial model. We'll appear to talk about this. Uh, uh, throughout life. You know, that we develop and go through certain ways. All I really want to do, this is what Cameron and I were talking about. He said, maybe you could talk about the different questions that children ask through different stages in life. And I said, that's a good idea. And so I thought I can use Erickson as a bounce point. So that's what I came up with. So Erickson's uh, uh, stages, what even even they would even call crises, you have to resolve these different crises in order to develop well. And it's a theory, you know. So with every theory, what does that mean? It's helpful, it's a helpful description. Um, oftentimes what we want to do is, of course, put ourselves into it or our children into it, and think, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't give them that when they were 18 months, and so now um, it's not, all is not lost, it's not everything, but we talk about being, you know, stunted development or arrested development, you know, the show and all. This is the idea that they have to, that in order for us as human beings to develop, to grow, to become, we have certain crises at different stages in our life where we're asking questions uh implicitly sometimes explicitly asking questions uh and the answers to those questions are important and if we can find an answer to those questions uh then we'll we'll uh we'll 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 be okay um and so that's his his idea trust versus mistrust um autonomy versus shame initiative versus guilt industry y'all heard this probably before if you took an undergraduate course or even a high school course in psychology um what's the place here um, I want to sort of bookend it, and, and you can see that I, I stopped at a, a sort of late adolescence, 18 to 35 as it goes, early young adulthood. I'm going to say that the, because I made up the questions, that the same question that the child, the infant asks, uh, am I okay, um, am I loved, am I secure, uh, is somebody going to be there for me when I call? Um, so the baby cries and the mom responds and you know, all is well. Uh, it's the same question we ask when we get to be about 18 to 22, 33, something like that. Which is when we're doing what? We're of course, looking to find somebody that we can marry or mate or, or uh, settle in with. Um, asking some of those big questions. Who am I? What's going on? How am I? How am I me? Those questions are the same. And then in between, there's this, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this parabola, this travel. When they're really young, uh, we can hear this, sort of the terrible twos, the early threes, you remember those? What did they say? I do it, I do it, I do it. Because what's their question? Can I do it? They're trying to make sure that they are a person. Autonomy, as it's sometimes called psychologically. literally means the law unto myself. Do I have... Any agency, what are they doing here? They're learning how to feed themselves, they're learning how to walk, they're learning how to talk, they're learning some cause and effect. If I take this and I plug it into that, zzz, ow, you know, that sort of stuff. Like teenagers, by the way. Um, if I eat this, that's yucky. You don't put alcohol in your mouth, you know. Can I do it? I do it. I do it. It's really important. Um, And then we move into uh, the three to five, the preschool years, and now um, play. Play becomes really serious work for a preschooler. I know you don't have that. Um, We don't have those around very much, but play. Remember how intently they could get into their dolls or into their soldiers or into their... um, For ours, it was the office supplies, and they would just create these worlds out of all these tabs and folders. I mean, they would just get in there, and there is so much that's going on when they're doing that, in fact. It's very serious work, the play of a preschooler. Um, And so they're coming through with this question, what Erickson would call initiative versus guilt. And uh, another way of thinking about initiative is, can I go beyond the limits? How far can I go and I'm still okay. How far can I go and I'll still be me? Can I do it correctly? And will I still be approved? If you start to hear these words, these questions that you can see into there, someone there for me, am I loved? Can I do it? Can I do it correctly? Will I have approval? And you're starting to hear a little bit of some gospel language of you once were not a people, but now you are a people. You once were not loved, but now you'd be, you'd be right. I mean, that's where the Bible speaks into this, um, I think, pretty, pretty loudly. And then where a lot of us are, um, the, the the elementary years, what are sometimes called industry versus inferiority, industry is an old word. Um might call it competency, mastery. Am I good at something? You talk to uh, like a fifth grader. It's like, oh, hey Billy, hey, hey Sue, you know, who are you? Um, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm a football player or I'm a I'm good at math. You know, that's that's how they identify themselves. They're very identified with what they're good at why because the question that they're asking themselves is what am i good at because that what i'm good at is what's going to make me me now underneath all that as parents of course what are we what's happening maybe a little bit of uh, um, maybe a question of gosh what how can i ask questions of my child how can i engage my child and help them along as i'm thinking about these questions realizing that they're naturally asking these questions and the tenuous nature of it uh of i am okay if i'm good at something what does that give us an opportunity to do to say you know i think you're great i think you're great just because i think you're great um yeah i know you you, you didn't you didn't you struck out didn't you that, that that's hard but i think you're great you know you could praise the process rather than the product. That's what's often read in the, in the parenting books, which is great. You know, but you really you tried hard. But see, even there, there's there's a there's a certain contingency. So I'm okay if I try hard, even if I don't succeed. That's how there's. I think you're great. I think you're 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 mine, and I'm so happy. You know, you just start speaking these words to begin to create that that uh, that environment to create some love. So, industry versus inferiority. Am I enough? Do I matter? Do I have weight in this world? Am I good at something? Um, If I uh, walk into a room and leave it, will I still be remembered? You know, late uh, elementary, early adolescence. That's what they're starting to, to wonder. Fifth, sixth grade, that kind of thing. And then, of course, the teenage years, the great years of identity and role confusion, where everything in some ways kind of starts over. Uh, You think about a kid that just hit puberty. They're a lot like a kid that just is entering into the mid-twos, early threes. They are trying cause and effect. They really are seeing what happens when I do this and if I plug it into the wall. Um, You know they need a lot of naps they're the same thing they're growing exponentially um it's one of the huge growth stages both physically but also you know in terms of the brain and that just is an energy drain and so they're eating constantly just like your your toddler did or your infant did i mean there's so many similarities there and just like a toddler doesn't know why they took the uh, flour and spilled it all over the the floor because i just want to see what would happen when you do that how does it look when flour goes everywhere and it starts to settle that's kind of cool uh teenage boy is like you took the knives and you threw them all in it. what did you do that for Why? and he says i don't know and that's the real answer he didn't have a reason there's no sort of like oh this is you know it's like a knife <laughs> it's stuck let's do it again you know <laughs> And that's just happening. That's normal. It's not not excusable. You don't have to sort of say all that. But that's what's going on. They're learning the whole question. Who am I? What happens when I do this? What kind of rise do I get? How far can I go? Can I make myself outside of the limits of my family? They're starting to move away from the mother, the parents, the basic family, other interested adults. And now peer relationships are becoming more and more important, and they're going out, um, always wanting to know, can I come back? Is somebody still going to be there for me? That constancy of the, of, the, of the parent is terribly important, especially in the teenage years, because they have to go out. They have to go out and to develop, but they got to have a place to come back. If the parent's sort of chaotically moving around conceptually, um, that presents an issue um, developmentally. So they need to know where you are, your constancy, your love, your acceptance of them, your respect for them. Even though you don't respect their behavior, you respect them. Uh, and then they have a place to come back. They're asking the big questions. Who am I? Um, am I loved? Uh, what can I do um, in order to... How far can I go and still be loved? Is what they're asking in some ways. Um, and then under the uh, the intimacy, the the late... The the young adulthood, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Knowing and being known, as Augustine would call it. Uh, Wanting to know not only God and be known by him, but but another person. Can I make an intimate connection with with a friend? Can I make an intimate connection with a a spouse? Can I make uh, a connection where they really know me and not just the person that I present, but who I actually am? and still be accepted? Will you love me then? Um, And when that answer comes as yes, it can shift shift a life. So that's just kind of laying it out. You know, this is development. Becoming. Moving all the way to the end. So my hope was that would be enough to kind of get some juices flowing, and now I can ask some very specific questions, either out of this, or, you know, I have a friend who, um, uh, you know, about anything. About a specific parenting issue, it could be a question about sex or ADHD, academics, siblings, um, uh, the role of you know the men, role of fathers, you know, uh, whatever. Whatever. So any thoughts or any questions? Disagreements? Always peppers life a little bit when there's I
1: have a question. In under the um elementary school years, 6 to 12, there's that question that you say that the the children are asking themselves, am I good at
0: something? Mm -hmm. What if they're not? Uh, It can be a problem. Mm -hmm. What does a problem mean? Um, It means that they go inside, so to speak, and they, uh, they evaluate themselves. The law. They have a constant accusation where that voice develops of I'm not as good as Susie. Our Bill can do this better than me. That's the inner voice of an elementary school child, and of course, who is that also an inner voice of? Me, <laughs> probably you. Um, when human nature stays the same, it develops, but it still stays the same. We're still always comparing, but hopefully, we develop other secure attachments. Am I loved with other people that we know? But I, I know that Bill's better at me than that, but I'm still okay. That's the key part. They're asking the question. They're getting the reference point. I'm not good at something. All this where I'm not good at. Am I still, how can I still be okay? And that's where the parent's voice coming alongside. You know, I think you're great. You know, you don't have to be um, great at baseball. Um, uh, You are great at being little Eddie. Um, You're great at being my son. You're great at being my daughter. Uh, You can use that kind of language and find a way to lay a deep track to try to release them. But then what's good enough? Remember, you can meet most of their needs most of the time. And they're going to be... This is really hard for a parent. The older they get, the more and more you put out there. And you realize that they have experiences that I can't fix. There are crises that I can't resolve for them. That's the language of of development. Uh, And we are especially present there with them and for them knowing that I can't quote fix it that's really hard it's really hard those great times to bring in scripture mhm hmm it you know, yeah um, but it's, you know, like, it's hard and you can sometimes think of other ways because it doesn't have to be uh i mean it can be good at being a friend and so if you can get one friend you know that's enough um you can be good at being an older brother, or at walking the dog, or caring for the dog. Um, I mean, you can get pretty, and it's just that one thing that they can say, well, I'm good at that. Well, I've got that as a part of who I am. I'm good at being a part of the scout troop. Even though there's not a whole lot of expectations on me there, I'm good at being a part of that. Um, that's, that's, they don't use that language out loud, but that's, that's the idea goes, and I think it goes a long way. That's what they're asking Um, And the scripture comes in. It's a great place to bring that in. Do you think they're asking, am I enough or do I matter as early as like five and six and seven? I do. um, More in in our context because human nature doesn't change, but our context does. And we, we as a culture, parents, community, et cetera, and so forth, have really created that. Um, I don't want to get on too many of my boxes, but um, social media. You know, just trying to call a spade a spade. What does it do? Uh, it uh, it it does a lot. Um, it changes things because now it's instant judgment. Um, it's a reference point that's all over the place, uh, where even as early as five, you can see what other people are doing or how well they're doing, and it immediately says, "Oh, well, maybe I'm not doing that right. Maybe I'm not." Um, uh, enough because i wasn't x y or z uh and so uh, earlier much earlier earliest th- four and five i'm not sure at three they're asking that um or even four five yeah that could happen where they're starting to refer to themselves whether or not i'm enough or um if i'm not measuring up in some sense or another social media is not the only thing um but it's a it's a big part, and as, as that comes more and more into our lives, which isn't going to change, social media and just technology, media generally, um, that's uh, I think that's happening.
2: It puts pressure on the child and the
0: parents. Very much so. Because if they develop a the worldview around Because now, tied to what I said earlier, suddenly I'm okay if my child's okay. And that's a crisis. Can I develop enough, you know, I speak in psychological terms. Enough ego strength, enough ego development, that I'm going to be okay, even if my child's not okay. Am I going to be okay knowing that uh, I'm good enough, and my child has to weather this storm in order to become? Because the living God is alive and is is at work in my child's life. That is really, really hard. I mean, that's that's my own sort of edge. That's uh, I think probably for a lot of us, it's. That's really hard to do, to give yourself over like that. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, because um, I don't use these phases a lot. And I think they're very helpful. Um, uh, but yeah, I think so. It could be a way that doesn't um, help them resolve some of the questions. You know, I've been working this recently. It's is the first time I've said it out loud. What do I think social media does? I think it makes everything... It takes whatever you are already, and it just superficializes it. It makes it shallow. That's kind of the word that I'm using. So if you just want to use introversion, extroversion, you know, it's sort of the Myers-Briggs' world, which I can move in pretty easily. It takes, you know, what's naturally good about being an extrovert. That's face-to-face, you know, real human connection. And, uh, you know, you get plugged in and you find life. And you become a human being as you spend time with other human beings, actual and physical. And then you get on, you know, virtual. You can hear the language or social media or something else like that. And again, I'm not a Luddite. I'm just sort of totally doing it, just trying to call a spade a spade and say what it is. It superficializes it because now I'm okay with, you know, a Twinkie rather than a, a real meal. And I think that having 985 friends is a substitute because I'm, I'm, I know what everybody else is doing and somehow that's enough. But what's lost is I go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, this amazing thing happened. It's like, oh, I know. I saw that on Facebook. Isn't that crazy? And you just lost that human connection. The whole conversation, you don't even notice it. It just got obliterated because before what was is like what happened think about what happens when you say the word wow what happened oh then what tell me more whoa and you get all of that wiring this neurobiology starts to happen think about this with your children um where there's a wiring there's an intimacy that's formed and all that's lost i know i saw that isn't that crazy yeah bye and it's gone superficialized and it's just not there um and, and, and then you're I don't agree, and you saw all that stuff. So. Right? And then you feel the judgment, and then you're over here because, you know, you're just waiting to, you know, all that stuff. So even if you know, a little walkout point with your children, um, and this is totally me talking to myself. Maybe it's here. She knows. If you can get off, get out of yourself, if I can get out of my, let speak a first person, get out of myself, put my agenda aside, take some time, even get physically sometimes on their level and have the equivalent of, wow, tell me more. That spirit of discovery, little phrase that's out there a lot in my world, is that neurons that fire together wire together. The neurons are those sort of emotional sort of connections that go on. And when they fire, wow, tell me more, and they're like, I got dad. <laughs> you know, it's all just sort of happening. Billions of times in a day. You know, these neurons are happening. So superficializing, just making it shallow. I know, right? And it's like, well, bye. you know, And it's gone. And you miss the whole human connection. Or an introvert. The other side goes just as well. Where an introvert's best work is when you go inside and you got all the depth and the sort of contemplation and the thought. And you, you sort of do this internal process that you're not even aware of. But it's always in there and it's churning. And so what does social media do? It does the work for you. And it just sort of, zoop. well, I guess that's what I think. I guess that's what's going on. I guess that's where you know it's going to end up. And you don't do that process. You don't engage those juices of, gosh, what would that do? And then this happened. And then what would? And I'm going to do. And all that's just gotten lost. And you don't spend any time by yourself, just being yourself. That's that Louis C.K. clip that I like to show so much that I've shown in several Sunday school classes. Some of y'all have seen. Why? It's called Google. It's worth it. Um, Conan O'Brien why Louis C.K. hates cell phones or something like that. Um, when he ties it to the Bruce Springsteen song song, um, Jungle Land. And you get that yeah, as Louis C. K. called it, and and you don't know what to do with it anymore. Because an introvert would say, like, wow, let me process that. Let me go in and get my good juice. But you just f- grab for your phone and you go, yeah! and it's like, what's everybody doing? You know, and you send this group text out and then you're you're done. And you just a superficialized what it means to be a human, so, so anyway, my little box. So yes, I think it's happening at an early age, uh, and I think it's disconnecting. I'm big on relationships, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, Julia. Um, coming from, you know, family
1: with all boys or women. women with boys, um, I guess I, you know, women tend to verbally express themselves, but how do you? Is it, what What is a normal context? Because I don't get a lot of communication back. Mm-hmm. And when I do, it's perceived as getting in my business, mm-hmm. um, et, cetera, et cetera, So where is that happy place for a mom to not ask the questions that beg some kind of, like, why are you getting my business questions, but, but being free and open to... A
0: door that might open for them to just really have a conversation. I mean this conversation thing is really hard. So right, now, right. Yep, days. yep, it is. And it's always a little juxtaposed against that's what your role and that's my role, I right think. Right. Absolutely. Um yes. Yeah. It's uh it, it 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 probably tends towards gender, but not completely. Um I do like to uh I really respect. Named Scott Stanley said, "You know, we're more alike than we're different. Male, female. Uh, we're we're we really are from the same planet. Not men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That's his little phrase. But there's probably still is some some gender bias there. All that's to say, uh, well, I could just say I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. But I do know this. Uh, boys, I was one, and I was just like that with my mom." Uh, uh we do listen. Deposits are the the word I use. You could make deposits. Now those aren't questions. Questions aren't a deposit because a question is asking for also a withdrawal. I'm putting something in but I'm also expecting something back out. A deposit's one way. So you make a deposit and you just turn it and you make a statement rather than a question. Um uh, it will be a question. Uh I don't know. what do you think when um when so and so did such and such, you can make a statement. It's like, wow, I guess if so and so did such and such, you might have felt, you know, scared. That's a deposit. What does it do? I don't know. It, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to go in. They may say, that's not it at all. Right. Now, if you're starting to tune, remember that wiring together and all that stuff? They say, like, mom knows me. You know, a little bit of autobiographical. You know, my mom did some of that implicitly. And I never told her, but she knew me, and I knew that, and that really mattered. And I wouldn't have known that when I was 14. This is me making sense in my life many years later, so we all see what we want to see. There's some bias to that, but but making those deposits matters.
1: Right. But they, I mean, I have found sometimes with my more emotional child that he
0: respects a little bit when he sees a little bit of failure in my life. But yep. he, you know, I think children may perceive their parents as having it all. Absolutely, bad. absolutely. So like, oh, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> case by case is where I would say there. I would not want to make a blanket statement. In terms of how much of my own life, my own failures, shortcomings, limitations should I share with my child. Depends upon how old they are, what their temperament is like. Um, uh, And each child, you may have four children and you may approach each one of them differently. One statement, I kind of resist to say uh, how you should fill that out. Um, like a specific example, you know, you drank in high school and you've got a 15 year old. Do you go up and say, like, look, I made a lot of mistakes when I was 15, when I was your age? There was a time where I got into a car and, uh, and we came six inches from running into a pole. Six inches. And I think about that, not every day of my life, but at least once a month. This didn't happen, by the way, I'm making this up. Um, and I think about how my life would be different. You wouldn't be here. If six inches would have shifted over a different way, that may be a very appropriate conversation with a certain type of 15-year-old. And another one, all they would hear is, you know, I did that when I was 15. He's like, well, I'm good. <laughs> and they're like, you know, that's all they heard. So you've got to know your child. You have to know your child. You've got to know, you know, is this going in or is this at permission? Because the other one, you're like, you know, you're not going to do that. That's not what we do. You know, I'm sorry. I know it's hard, but it's not going to happen. And they just, because they only hear in short spurts, and that's the only deposit you can make, is we're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. Um, when you're ready to talk about it, we can try that later. And that's development. It may be four years. It's hard. So, does that help? So.
2: Like you're talking about the knives, mm-hmm. sometimes they can't even express what they're feeling. So I like what you said about making deposits of you maybe doing this, because I don't think they can always communicate. But there's still, there's always times that sometimes they'll kind of let their guard down and accidentally let you know stuff. And what I struggle with is it, not reacting to what they're telling me. Yeah. And not. As they told me, Mom, not everything has to be a lecture moment. Because I, try to, that's true. I try to teach every moment that I can, and they tell me don't do that.
0: And yeah, I think they are right, and I've struggled with that. I'm glad you brought that up, Elizabeth. the The idea of take advantage of teaching moments—I don't. I'm not dismissing that at all. But boy, if every single moment is a teaching moment, I'm the kid. I'm purely an object. I'm never the subject of this you know that that relationship part um, if every single moment is only a teaching moment, then I am only the object of a teaching and that's that's not that's not a relationship. none of us want to be only an object of a teaching all the time now certainly that's appropriate certainly there's time and it's necessary but uh but I think you' I think your kids are I think they're helping you there um, and boys are tough. Girls are tough. I mean, kids are tough. Um, you have to know them. Uh, the five love languages, you know, there's, there's a lot to that. Gary Chapman's, you know, little books, plural, um, uh, great, simple ideas. Words, I'm, I'm a word guy, um, both in terms of the way that I'm wired, but also theologically. But time, gifts, uh, service, these things matter. That's the nonverbal. Those are, those are words without words. Uh, you know, So giving your son a uh, a note still, throw it in his wallet or something, he may not want you in his wallet, um, putting it in his uh, I don't know, the seat of his car or something like that. That stuff, that's, that's a deposit. Those are the kind of ways to think about a deposit. He's not letting me sort of sit there and talk to him. But I can talk to him even when I'm not there by certain things that I can do, that kind of stuff. Anything else? Got plenty of time. Siblings yeah.
1: I, think I have a, a boy and a girl and I think they're probably just different <coughs> different but they're different in so many ways and my relationship with them is very different. and I often wonder with my daughter it seems more intense and more complicated. And I think when you're saying, who am I? And this is reflecting on my relationship with my mom. Mm -hmm. I think with the same gender, there's a lot of she's looking at me as, what of that do I want? And what of that do I not want to be? Mm -hmm. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of I'm rejecting that part of you or I want, you know. Yep. And I don't think that happens with my son. He's generally a less intense
0: kid. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. just up on anyway. Yeah, all that's it's true. It's
1: more complicated with my husband
0: and my son. Or yeah. It, it is, it, you know, that's again where good enough parenting, I want to put that word out there, it is finished because it just gets complicated. Mm-hmm. Because what does this theory not account for? You know, something I'm really big biochemicals. You know, uh, this does not explain clinical ADHD, for instance. Um, some kids are just born with an intensity, or they're born with a, an intention deficit, or they're born with a depression, or they're born with, you know, an anxious. You know, there's certain things that just aren't uh, explained by Piaget or by Erikson or by Freud or anybody else. They just come out that way. They're an intensity, or they're a lack of they're a lack of intensity, or something else. And then it makes it more complicated. Then it's your own stuff that you're putting into them you're making it more complicated you know uh you're doing your own am i okay with my kid being less than whatever i expected them to be uh you know all that somewhere as i kick in that we just we have to have a word of freedom as parents we have to have a word of freedom to say you know what am i freed to do i'm freed to be a parent i'm free to love I'm free to to discipline, sure, structure. Uh, free to love. Free to come into their life, to place myself in front of them physically, but also in the times when I'm not even around them, and I'm, I'm making these deposits, and I have the privilege of helping them develop into the person that they're becoming. You know, keeping that long view uh, that it's not always going to be second semester, seventh grade. (laughs) You know, it's going to be something else. Um, And that word of freedom is, I think, desperately needed. Um,
1: Yeah. You know, talking about the long view, I feel like they're minor 13 and 15, and I just in the last few months feel struck by, oh my gosh, they're almost grown. Like it's, so you know you spend so many years with them completely dependent yep, on you, yep. and then you know still being in college in a few yep, years. Yep. Where did that even before I college? Been, I sure hope I've I done, done enough, have done. Done. and yeah. you know now the remember the <laughs> the life lessons, yeah
0: so. <laughs> is the enough there? Yeah, because it gets really uh, you know fear-inducing. Mm-hmm. Because as they get older, you know if they are going to drive, even if they're not, if they're going to spend more and more time away from you. Less and less in your direct influence, and more in your indirect influence, and it's it's hard. And when they're still living
1: with me when they're 23 and 25, right? I
0: mean, think. And then they're living with you, but you have no, you're know, like, so, um. I'm concerned about
1: the stress on the child trying to be enough because I can't help it. I am happy when it's you know all going well, and he knows
0: that he sees. Yeah.
1: I'm happy when we get the age. Yeah. Always try to measure up, and then on top of that, in the community he lives in, yeah. and high performers. And yep, I
0: worry about that a lot. The language of uh, well, self-awareness that that oh my gosh, my anxiety might be placing a burden on him. You know, that's that's a for a lot of people, that's a that's a pivotal moment. Just that awareness, and awareness is more than half the battle. And then. Uh, You know, apology. I think is powerful language. You know, you know, um, I'm sorry. I do it every day, day, and I'm not going to change. I wish I could. Um, And this is just where we pray. We just pray and plead that you know the Lord is going to do something here. Um, I do love you, and I know sometimes I get really sort of hung up and all that. And if your children are like mine, there's no way that I, I couldn't have that much of a monologue. Uh, they wouldn't give me that much space, and so you have to then figure out a way to make it shorter and shorter and shorter. I'm even convinced if I'm clear on that to myself that in my however I spend time with them, that's going to be communicated. And you're looking for those hours, those 99 hours, where one hour—and this does happen, this really does happen—one hour out of a hundred, rough, you know, whatever. It's a, that's a, it's a metaphor. It's like, hey, Dad, I was wondering, and suddenly, like, I think she just initiated a conversation. <laughs> I think he's coming to me for advice, <laughs> you know. And it does happen. It does happen. So you just you waste a lot of time, like the alabaster jar of ointment that was wasted at the feet of Jesus. Um, it's one of the best things we can do. I've said that a long time: is waste ourselves on our children, because of my busyness. My efficiency, you know. Uh, I don't want to be efficient. I don't want to be an efficient father. My dad was very efficient of me. <laughs> oh, God save me from that. Mm. Yeah, Leslie? two things. And when you said
2: that about apologies, um, this just always right me. Um, that uh, when Davis was about 10, um, I had a my problem on the moment where I was attacking way too much um, ago, and and I knew it. I mean, I knew it right away. And um, I don't know why it happened that I wrote it. That I was talking to him, but I wrote it, I mean, I him an apology. He is almost 15, and it still occupies a
0: central place on the bulletin board. Is that right? Just hmm. also a reminder to me. Yeah. And he might be doing both. He may be doing it to give you a reminder, but it probably still means something to him. Yeah. I really
2: hmm. You know. mm-hmm. the, the second thing I was going to say um, to you, what you were saying is, you know, I think that we're all going to do that sometimes, even, you know, we're trying to be positive and supportive, you know, or whatever, but I think maybe the more important thing is how we handle it when they don't, because they're, they're going to not, I
0: mean, it's just the way And so we think, how we react when they don't perform Yep, okay. yep, but I still think you're great. Right. Yeah. Yeah because I get to be your dad. I get to be your mom.
1: What about when your child's feelings get hurt, you know, by their friends? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it okay to acknowledge that, wow, I'm my feelings are hurt for you also? You
0: know, I mean, I'm really sad about that. Yeah, I think so. It's a great but, question. But, but yeah. you're almost like, am I exaggerating there?
1: Or am I... Um, saying, yes, you should be hurt by that, where instead yeah. maybe I should say, well, maybe that's just the way they are, and you know, I did kind of have to say, well, she said, I can't rely on this person, I realize this, that yeah. she always does this, and so then I said, well, you know, that that's just part of her makeup, and right. she's still going to be your friend, but you just have to know that about her, but
0: I mean, I felt horrible, I mean, yep. I was yep. sad about her. Yep. Happens just like that, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you slow that down and you think all oh, that happens in a moment. You know, from, okay, I don't want to be dismissive and say, oh, that's no big deal. You think that hurts? Wait until da-da-da-da-da. And then it's like, well, it's never coming to you again. <laughs> or on the other side, you want to be over-invested. Oh, that's awful. I can't believe our life is over. And suddenly you got our language in there. And it's like, well, that's not it either. A principle that I'm always a fan of is call a spade a spade. Don't overstate it. Don't understate it. Let's see what it is. It's like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sad for you too. I'm really sad at this right now. Um, but I also know this. Uh, she's been your friend for a long time. He's been your friend for a long time. I don't know what he's going to be tomorrow, but he's been your friend for a long time. Most of the time, you know, there's a lot that kind of comes and goes, and, and these things have a way of working it out. But God, I, I get it. I'm sad for you. Uh, I totally understand why you just you don't want to really come down for dinner right now, or something like that. So you're not over invested. You're definitely not dismissive. Um, you want to sort of call it out, not maximize it or minimize it, but keep it right, right there. Those are all principles. Does it work out that way in practice? I'm totally aware it doesn't. You know, all these monologues that I sort of give. You know, that's not the way it usually goes in practice. So I try to have these principles of of uh, don't want to dismiss. You don't want to over attach. So let's just call it what it is. Let's don't make it more. Don't make it less. Let's just call it what it is. It's like, I'm kind of sad too. And then you might go back and it's like, Am I too sad? Am I over invested in my child's happiness? My child's, um, you know, sort of standing in that group or any group? You know, what's, what's going on in me? And you might do that kind of work by yourself. So it gets complicated just like that. Real fast. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if that helps. We're at a time. I think people were planning on... Is that right? Is it, is it, are these an hour? Does might know? Um, I don't know either. Um, let me do this. Let me uh, let me pray, but I don't have to be anywhere for a while. Um, so I'm happy to stay around and keep talking just like this or whatever. But I want to let people have a chance to to leave if they would like to, not even if they need to. So <laughs> Let me pray. Lord, for this uh, this time, um, I would ask that something would be helpful, something of you, that you would free us, Lord, um, as we remember that it is true. What is truly true is that it is for freedom that you have set us free, that we are free, that as you said, it is finished. Uh, your spoken word creates a truth, um, and that now... Uh, the law and its accusation, its expectation is no longer at work, but we are freed simply to be. Um, and Lord, you've made us enough to uh, to be a parent, to be a mother, to be a father, to be a parent for our children. For their sake, Lord, I pray that you would multiply this time and make it useful and helpful. It would be an encouragement to each one of us to be, uh, to be aware of how you love us and that we could then in turn uh, love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.